Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From NBI Studios, this is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Roth. We are finally approaching the end of our deep dive into Javier, Jacob, and their circle of friends. Some of you have been loving all of the interviews and the information that they've provided, and some of you just mumbled to yourself it's about damn time. Either way, we're almost to the end of the road. Today's focus is on Jacob's roommate, Austin Alba. I want to point out right up front that I did reach out to Austin to request an interview. I was able to see that he saw the message, but chose not to reply. With that being said, I'm going to try to give you the best of both worlds today, which is going to result in a really long episode. I'm going to play for you the entire interview that I mentioned a few weeks ago, the one with the music playing in the background. It falls under the incidental inclusion exception of copyright laws, so I'm told by my attorney that we're all good there. That being said, the interview is tough to hear at times. It's being recorded out on a dock at a riverside bar. So you have the music and the occasional boat motors that are really irritating. There are a few times where the interview had to stop for over a minute because of one of the boats. I tried to use those moments to pick our placements for ad breaks to keep up with the flow of the interview. But because of the poor sound quality and the fact that some of you are just tired of listening to interviews, I'm going to start off by breaking down the report written by the officers and giving you my two cents on what will actually be three interviews before I play Austin's, so you can get the TLDR without listening to the entire interview. Unfortunately, I have not located a transcript for this interview. All I have in the file is a report. It's irritating, but it is what it is. So I'll give you the breakdown, and then if you want to hear the full interview, we'll play that afterwards. So here we go. This is Season 12, Episode 25, The Road to Austin Alba. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that you did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From something else, The Marshall Project and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't easy for the Riverside Cold Case team to track down Austin Alba in 2015. In fact, he and Jacob both proved to be difficult to get a hold of. We'll talk more about Jacob next week. 
This journey starts out on the days following the murders. You'll remember hearing Austin's short and abrupt four-minute interview from 2006, and we don't know much about that interview. The report says that Detective Eichelt was assigned to the case on September 19th, two days after the murders, and it says that he, quote, conducted numerous interviews of neighbors, friends, and co-workers over the next several days, end quote. It does not, however, say which day he interviewed Austin. The only clue we get is that he asks Austin what he was doing, quote, last weekend. After that short interview, Austin just disappears from the case file. A few days later, Javier tells LeClaire that Austin showed up at Becky's work and argued with her and created a scene the night before the murders. Then a few months after that, Jessica Henry shares her concerns about Alba to police. And in May of 2007, Alex Foulon shares his concerns about Austin, including the interaction at the mall where Austin allegedly said, quote, You want me to take care of her? You know what happened to the last bitch I didn't like. None of this apparently interested the detectives because they didn't make any attempt to interview Alba again for nine years. Not until Robert and Christian had been arrested, indicted, and then had their charges dropped. By this point in 2015, a new set of investigators had taken over the case, and from what we hear in another interview with Jacob Santiago's brother, they say that their purpose in conducting these follow-up interviews is to ensure that if they recharge Robert and Christian, that the defense can't make the argument that they never followed up. Because my goal is to format this episode so that everyone doesn't have to listen to the actual interview, I'm going to jump ahead a bit and work my way back to Austin. I don't want to put the information about the follow-up interviews at the end, because then the folks that don't want to listen to it will miss all those details. So, we're going to jump in the Truth and Justice time machine and scoot forward just a couple of months after Austin did his interviews. Okay, hopefully Shane figured out a cool sound effect right there and you're all deeply into the moment now. So, Austin was interviewed on March 27th of 2015. In that interview, he gives the detectives the name of the mystery friend that he was hanging out with on the night of the murders. You don't remember, back when Austin was originally interviewed, he told the detective that he was hanging out with a friend from Hemet that weekend, that he took him home Sunday evening, and he got home around 2 a.m., and Eichelt never even asked him the friend's name. But Detective Harvey, one of the cold case investigators, luckily did ask him in 2015, and we learned that the friend's name is Chris Church. So let's jump to August 11th, 2015. This is about five months after Detectives Harvey and Cole interviewed Alba. Here we have Detective Harvey and District Attorney Investigator Bodmer reaching out to Mr. Church. Here, for the first time, it appears that they're actually trying to verify Austin's alibi. Whereas up to this point, it seems like Austin's purpose was only to determine if Jacob had an alibi. But unfortunately, this is the first contact police make with Church and it's about eight and a half years too late. He doesn't remember much. Chris was shown a picture of Austin, and he immediately identified him. He said that back in 2006, he and Austin used to drive to local casinos as well as to Arizona and Nevada to visit a mutual friend named Paris Bird who lived in Bullhead City, Arizona. He continued to say that he had only ever been to Austin's apartment one time. He doesn't recall any details, and he also doesn't recall spending the night at the apartment, But again, it's almost nine years later at this point, and this is the first time the police have ever spoken to him. He also explained that Austin had never mentioned to him that Jacob's roommate had died, so he had no reason to ever think about that weekend. 
He does know that on September 30th of 2006, he moved to Pennsylvania, and he had minimal contact with Austin after that. And that was it. He was neither able to confirm or deny Austin's alibi nine years after the fact. About a month later, Harvey and Bodmer were able to track down Paris Bird in Bullhead City, Arizona. If this seems like it was a pointless effort, nine years later finally asking about an alibi, you're not wrong. The investigators are trying to get people to confirm an alibi for a crime they didn't know about nearly a decade after it happened. Paris explains that she used to live in Hemet, and her boyfriend Randy was friends with Austin, and she herself was friends with Chris Church. In 2005, she and Randy moved to Arizona, and she confirms that on occasion Austin and Chris would come to visit her and Randy. However, she said that she does not recall any times when Austin and Chris came to visit her together. But she's really not much help at all. Basically, she says he would come visit her sometimes. She doesn't think it was with Chris, but she's not positive about that. She never heard anything about the murder, so she couldn't say one way or the other if Austin had visited her on that particular weekend. And the only reason that she was part of the investigation at all is because in Austin's interview back in March of that year, he told police that he thought that he and Chris had gone to visit her a day or two before the triple homicide. And with that, let's go back to March of 2015, just a few months prior. Like I said in the intro of this episode, I'm going to play Austin's interview in full. But before I do that, let me break it down for you from the report and just from my own insights. The first thing that jumped out to me in this interview was, well, like the entire tone of it. So when we heard from Austin a few days after the murders, he said that he, quote, barely knew Becky. He seemed completely disinterested in the entire process. We've also heard from literally everyone that was asked that Austin absolutely hated Becky. And he even allegedly joked saying, You know what happened to the last bitch I didn't like. But in this interview, it's a completely different story. Now he says that he and Becky were friends. He wavers a little on that later in the interview, saying their relationship was just alright, but the overall theme was that they got along just fine. Even considering the fact that he says that he was kind of annoyed that she would always be at the apartment but didn't help pay any bills. But another thing that I found interesting was that Austin appears to have kept up with the investigation. He knows a lot of details, including what car Becky drove, the fact that it was actually her sister's car. He knew Robert and Christian had been arrested and the charges had been dropped. And it's not like he was getting all this from the local news. At this time, he was living in Lake Havasu, Arizona. He had worked as a contractor for the Department of Defense and had been living overseas for a chunk of the time of the murders. He's not in contact with Jacob anymore. He hadn't spoken with him in over three years at this point. And yet he still keeps tabs on the investigation. Just found that intriguing. And you'll also hear at the end of the interview, if you choose to listen, that Detective Harvey deploys a classic FBI interrogation technique. He asks Austin what he thinks should happen to the people who did this. FBI agents are taught to use this technique because, usually, a guilty person will typically go easy on the killer. In most cases, if the person is guilty, they're not going to answer that question with, They should get the chair, or execute them, or throw them away for life. Austin's response is interesting. I'm paraphrasing, you'll hear it in the actual interview, but he says something to the extent of, they should get their day in court, they should get a fair trial. So, I mean, take that for what you will, 
But for me, as someone who studies interrogation techniques and their results, I definitely found it interesting. Before I get to the police report, I want to share with you something that was brought to my attention just a couple of weeks ago. The first time we played Austin's 2000 interview, as a matter of fact. I was contacted by someone who knows him or knew him personally. I can't really say much more than that. Unfortunately, this person will not go on the record, so I can't share any details. One, because this person is genuinely afraid of Austin. And two, because the details will give away who the source is. What I can tell you is this. This source has verifiable details which confirm to me that they did or do in fact know Austin Alba. They reached out because they've been a listener for a long time, and when they heard his name, well, it sent shivers down their spine. The basics of what they told me is this. This is all I can really share. They know or knew him very well, and they were terrified of him before they ever heard his name mentioned on this podcast. In their opinion, from what they told me, as an adult, Austin is a scary dude. I wish I could tell you more, and I wish I could get Austin's side of the story, but as I mentioned, he declined to respond to my request for an interview. I'm just trying to give you everything and relay to you what's been brought in to me. So do with that whatever you will. Now let's get into the actual report written by Detective Harvey. The road to Austin was a little tricky. They found an address for him in Joshua Tree, California. And as I'm saying that, I suppose I should probably give you a little bit of a geography lesson in case you don't know Southern California very well. So Palm Springs, which is the Coachella Valley, is located about a two-hour drive east from L.A. At least that's what I'm told. I've never actually driven it. Joshua Tree is located northeast of Palm Springs. Looks to be about a 30-minute drive or so from what I'm seeing on the map. It's between Palm Springs and 29 Palms, which is where the Marine Base is located. So that was the first stop for Harvey. When he got to the address there, the house was unoccupied. The neighbors came out and said they believed Austin still owned the house, but he hadn't lived there for three years. He was currently renting it out. So Harvey asked the neighbors about Austin, and they said they were friends with him and that he was, quote, mature, charismatic, and entertaining, but with a somewhat abrasive personality and a mouth that got him into trouble, end quote. From there, the detectives moved on to Lake Havasu City, Arizona, to what they thought was Austin's address. Lake Havasu City is about a two-and-a-half-hour drive east of Joshua Tree, or about three hours east of Palm Springs. So, if you were wondering how they're in California and Arizona, it's about a three-hour drive from Riverside County out to the Arizona border. When they got there, they found a couple who owned the home, who told Harvey that Austin had been living in a trailer in their backyard for a few months, but he had left about three weeks earlier. The couple then put Harvey in contact with Austin's dad, who lived in Parker, Arizona. Then, after a phone call, the detectives relocated to Parker. They talked to Mr. Alba, who gave them Austin's cell phone number, and were almost there. Detective Cole called Austin and left a voicemail. He didn't get a response, but then Austin's mom called him and relayed to Harvey and Cole that they could meet Austin where he was at the time, the Fox's RV Resort. These are the main bullet points from the report. The interview took place at the resort's floating dock bar. Austin was drinking a non-alcoholic beer, and he told detectives that he had no new information, but that he had kept up with the case and was aware that arrests had been made. Says that he's never met Robert or Christian. 
He says that he had never been to Becky's house, but he once partied around a fire pit with Javier and Bo Nash about a mile from the house before Becky was murdered. He described Jacob and Becky as being in the honeymoon phase of their relationship when Becky was killed, and Austin said that Javier and Becky had a great relationship. He says they were best friends. Also, that Javi and his friends would come over to the apartment, and they all got along well. He said that he considered Becky a friend, but when she was at the apartment with Javier, he would usually go to his room or go hang out with his other friends. Austin does here confirm that he owned a shotgun at the time of and before the murders, and that he would occasionally show it to people, but he said that he would never threaten anyone with it. So we have some legs to Nick Crumb's story that says that he had the shotgun under the bed and he showed it to him. All of that seems to be confirmed by Austin in this interview. But next is what I find to be the most frustrating part of the entire interview. So let me refresh your memory on what Harvey and Cole knew from the file before they did this interview. They knew that Austin had said that the weekend of the murders, he was hanging out in town with this friend who we now know as Chris Church. And they knew that Javier told the police that on the Saturday before the murders, Austin confronted Becky at Denny's and got into an argument and made a big enough scene that the manager had to make him leave and fill out a report on the incident. So keep that in the front of your mind. These officers knew this when they went into the interview. So remember that when I tell you that in this interview, Austin tells investigators that, I'll quote it right from the report, quote, He had seen Becky a few days before she was murdered when he and a friend dined at Denny's where Becky worked. End quote. So, do you think they followed up with, Oh, did you get into an argument with her that night? Of course not. No follow-up at all. Not even a mention of the argument. And just to remind you all, Becky only worked Saturday and Sunday nights. So a few days before couldn't be like Thursday. It had to be Saturday which means Chris Church was the friend that was with them. And again, Saturday is the night that Javi says that Austin was at Denny's arguing with Becky. And neither Austin or Chris were even asked about the incident. Austin didn't remember much about the weekend. He said he might have been in Laughlin with Chris, which is why Chris and then Paris were contacted later. He's not super helpful regarding recall of what happened in those couple of days or hours. He thinks he remembers something about Jacob being in Costa Mesa, and he doesn't remember what time he or Jacob got home Sunday night, which, of course, is understandable. It's eight and a half years later. But then we get kind of an interesting take on Jacob and Becky's relationship. So Austin says that Jacob had been worried that weekend because he had been unable to contact Becky for a couple of days. And then he talks about how Jacob was really tore up about Becky dying, which is obviously expected, but it definitely doesn't seem to match up with the Jacob that we heard in his police interview. Remember, he seemed very nonchalant about the whole thing, and he even said that it was harder on Javier because he himself had only known Becky for a couple months when she was killed. But according to Austin, he was really tore up and then moved away to San Diego. And he was there for six years. It wasn't until 2012 when he came back to the Valley, which would be the last time that Austin says he spoke with Jacob in 2012, about three years before this interview. Austin also confirmed that he at one point did in fact drive a Crown Victoria, the car that Jessica Henry said she saw the gas cans and the shovel in. When he was asked about that incident, Austin tried to end the interview. 
He denied it and said he could see where this was going and he was going to put a stop to the questioning. But the detectives were able to convince him to keep talking. So he denied that and then he also denied saying that he was glad that Becky was dead and that he hated her. He said, quote, No, I don't understand that. That sounds weird. I wouldn't say it anyway. End quote. We also get a little bit of insight into Bo saying that he had heard that Robert and Christian were white supremacists. Just like basically everything we hear in this case, the source appears to all go back to one place. Javier. From the report, quote, Austin said he heard from either Javier Garcia or Jacob Santiago after the murders that Pape was a white supremacist. Austin deducted that it would be logical that Pape would kill Becky for dating Jacob, a Puerto Rican. End quote. Now, I say it likely came from Javier, even though he says Javier and Jacob, because Jacob didn't know Robert or Christian and never met him. Although, really, it doesn't matter if he knew them, since from everything I've seen, the idea of them being white supremacists has no basis in reality. Like I said in the follow-up on Friday, both men are married to women who are not white, and Robert was dating a mixed-race girl at the time of the murders. There's literally nothing to confirm this. All we have is that Bo heard it from someone, I'd guess Javier, and now Austin heard it from, sounds like Javier, or Jacob. The whole white supremacist thing appears to be just another rumor that can be traced right back to Javier, who is also not white, and who, by all accounts, was Robert's friend leading up to all of this. At the conclusion of the interview, Detective Harvey asked Austin if he would be willing to take a polygraph. Austin promptly agreed. Before you asked, no. Just like everyone else, Austin never took a polygraph. In fact, this is the last time we hear from him. Well, last time we hear from him. The report says that after the interview concluded, Harvey called Austin on his cell phone and asked if he could get a DNA sample from him to eliminate him from any suspicion. Alba refused, stating, quote, The DNA found should match that of the suspects that had been in custody. End quote. So that's the basic breakdown of the interview. If that's all you were looking for, feel free to sign off here and we'll talk all about it in the Friday follow-up. But if you want to actually hear what Austin had to say, want to hear the tone in his voice and the exact words that he chose, keep listening. We've got another 45 minutes to go right after this break. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
It's Friday, March 27th, 2015. Investigator Cole, Investigator Harvey out at Fox's bar to speak with Austin Alba. Sometimes if we're talking, people will say, well, what's this got to do with, how's this going to affect my case? So if you don't have a case, then we don't have to worry about that. So nothing going on right now? No. And knowing that we're here talking to you right now, enjoying yourself, relaxed atmosphere. How do you feel? You okay talking to us? Yeah. Oh, perfect. Um, are you on doctor's care right now? Are you taking any medication? No. All good? All right. I kind of gave you a little spiel about why we were here and what it relates to back in 06. But the official word is. <laughs> so knowing that we are here talking to you about that, how do you feel about us talking to you about um, re, I guess revitalizing or, or, or resurrecting this interview and, and, and talking to you? Honestly, I've kept up with the case for a long time and I really hope you guys nail these two bastards. Because I've been finding out these random little details, and it's it's just a shit show in my opinion. So 
hopefully, I, I, I really don't have anything to give you guys, but I'll give you what I can. Okay, all right. Because due to the respect of Becky, I mean, she was a friend of mine, so. Okay. It really sucks what happened, and I've always followed it, and it's always been one of those things that I expected to see on Investigation Discovery, you know? Like, we need to finish this. No doubt. And we found them, I thought. And I thought that was gonna be the end of it, and then next thing you know, reading this news and I don't really know what's going on so hopefully what I can give you guys which is not gonna be much can help you, you bring up an interesting point when you say that you know it sounded like they found the guys um, how did you feel about how did you feel about the names of the of, of the men that were arrested well I actually didn't know either so what I knew about it was the ex-boyfriend quote-unquote and that was his supposed friend apparently and I'm Initially, the night of, almost, I already knew there was a suspect, and it was the ex-boyfriend, because of the relationship. Because of the relationship with her new boyfriend, which was my roommate at the time. And he was supposedly some sort of a white supremacist, as far as I had heard through hearsay. That's just a third-party crap. So, But you didn't know him? I didn't know him whatsoever. Whatsoever at all. The only time I ever interfaced with her was when she was the initial meeting with me, Javi, Javier uh, Garcia, I think. I don't remember. Um, we called him Javi. Um, and me, Jacob, Javi, Becky. I don't think Rolo was there. But uh, Who's Rolo? Jacob's brother. Oh. I don't think he was ever around. Um, that's his name, I Rolo? just usually hang out with Rolando Rolando's and Jacob, and that's you know how I met all these people. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool, new friends, blah, blah, blah. But uh, I never really met anybody else that she knew. I, I think the only thing that I knew about her life was her mom lived up in Pinion Pines, and her sister was letting her borrow her little box cube XB Scion thing. And that was it. She was in the Air Force. Okay. I know it's been eight years now, plus, <laughs> and I don't know if, how your memory is. I just recited the witness, or rather the, the victim's sister's car. I think I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good I, start for sure. Honestly, I, I have a perfect memory. That's okay. the thing, so whatever okay. I can do. Well, why don't you take us back, because it's one thing for us to read the reports, okay? And you get, and you know how it goes. You read a book, and you start to, you know, you kind of incorporate what you think the characters are like. Well, you were there, okay, to some extent, right? right? And what I mean by that is the circle of people that were, you know, <clears throat> that were named, okay, as far as you know who's involved, who knows who, who's who in the zoo, right? You've heard that, right? So if you can take us back to when how you were first introduced to these people and how it came to you know, to the ultimate end, everything that you can recall. The only thing I recall was, Javi was a cool dude, and they had a great relationship, they. him and Becky. Him and Becky. Um, Jacob was cool too, him and Javi hung out all the time, Javi would come over to my place all the time, never had an issue with him ever. Um, his friends even showed up at, at my house every now and then, we had little parties and stuff. Okay. How did you and how did you and, and Jacob meet? Because you're college. Okay. Over at College of the Desert. Okay. We we're just so accounting, you're students. Accountant students. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Class. I didn't mean to interrupt y'all. Right. So all 
of that, we were just kind of just a little, tiny little group. Not, not really like close or anything, like we'd do every single thing together, but me and Jacob, you know, we were roommates, so every now and then he'd go to a party, I'd get invited. Every now and then I'd go to a party, I'd say, hey Jacob, you want to do this? No, Javi's coming over, you know, we're gonna hang out and do whatever. And then that's how he met Becky, so there was that. Realistically, everybody that I knew in my personal little group that I had met, nobody had any issues with anybody whatsoever. The only time anybody would ever say anything bad was about Be Becky's ex, but that was only after the fact. So I didn't have any inclination that she was going to have any issues whatsoever. Okay. Go back a little bit. Uh, you met uh, Jacob in college, I assume that uh, when you guys met each other, you then became roommates. Is that, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I was having to travel all the way from pretty much, uh, you passed it on the way here. Um, behind the snow, you went through the desert, so you wouldn't have. It's pretty much the same thing as Iron Mountain Pump Plant. Live in the middle of nowhere, all the way from Shereco Summit. Had to drive to the College of the Desert. That's a long drive. 80 miles one way. So he's like, hey, screw that. The gas alone's gonna cover half the apartment I got, so. the relationship that, if you can recall, that Jacob and Becky had. It was good. It was really good. They were always just hanging out, just doing whatever. Very chill. Jacob's a very calm individual, too. He's a very good friend, so he was he was always classy, always smart, you know, just had his little deal that, you know, he always dealt with. Just like, hey, I'm going to go to college, I'm going to go to work, I'm going to go hang out with Becky, and then he's always inviting me places, you know, very cool individual. You still keep up with uh, Jacob? Yeah, every now and then. Yeah. Um, touch bases. How long has it been years. since you last talked to him? A couple of years, honestly. It's been like since 2012, honestly. You just reach out phone and Facebook? How do you guys... Actually, I went back up to... Uh, I'm living back up in the Palm Desert area again, and I went down, worked at... Uh, I didn't work, rather. I was... Uh, I did work there, technically, at the College of the Desert, uh, automotive program down there, just for fun, and uh, pursuing the, the degree again, you know, that old thing. And he lived back in the desert again, because he moved to San Diego for a minute, doing some accounting thing. I so you've, just, you've kind of given us an idea of the relationship that uh, Jacob and Becky had. Um, you've kind of talked about your relationship with Jacob. How was your relationship with Becky? It was all right. I mean, she stayed there a lot. So it was like, hey, you know, pay your fucking bills. You know, <laughs> like, you're here more than I am. So it was just one of those, like, just kind of annoying. But we were still friends and all. But that's about it. Just no, no problems or anything like that. 
And what about your relationship with Javier? We're good. Yeah, I mean, we're chill. Like I said, we hung out every now and then. Just did whatever. You still keep up with Javier? No, I haven't heard from him after, since after. Like, literally, he went dark right after. What happened there? When you say dark, what do you mean? I mean, when she got murdered. Yes. I mean, I haven't heard from him since that, like, day. I think I saw him one night after that. And when you say me, dark, I think, I feel like he just disappeared. He did. He moved up to Sacramento, as far as I remember. Wow. No hide, no hair, goodbye, nothing. He just left, huh? Well, I mean, he didn't show up very much anymore. And then I stopped being uh, roommates with Jacob, because I got a job and moved on. Okay. So nothing, there was no problems with you and Jacob when you when you uh, parted ways? It was just time for you to, to Yeah, he had on. to go to San Diego, and he had to get out. I mean, your girlfriend gets murdered. Fuck out of town, you know? <laughs> yeah, how, did, how did he take that? How, how did that work? I mean, like I said, you were there. You were there. We weren't there, so we I mean, he didn't... I don't know, he was very depressed, you know, like, just weird stuff, like, I don't know how people grieve, so, like, I can't really tell you, I've only had to deal with that a couple of times ever, so. I, I mean, know. from your observations, what were you able to see, how Jacob was? The only thing that I remember about the specific moment was, like, one time I saw him being very sad because there, there was, like, a cupcake in the microwave, or no, it was a blueberry muffin or something, and I, was, I yelled over to him, like, Dude, your blueberry muffin's done. He's like, no, that's Becky's. Um, she liked those. So. They got one of those Costco-sized ones. How soon after the, the murders did you move move on? Move I don't even remember. It was short after, but I don't remember the timeline specifically. It's like within six months then? Pro yeah, oh, guaranteed. Guaranteed. That's a long time for, in my line of work, honestly. And you said that you did not know uh, Robert Pape or Smith, the two guys? That no, were... I never met him. Didn't hear very much about him. I mean, I if I did meet him, I didn't know they were them. Like, I had no idea who they were. And we've talked about... The, the circle of friends that were close that kind of came out over to your apartment you guys would hang out party stuff like that is there anybody else that you can think of um, name wise um, uh, that was also kind of in that little circle no I mean I'm sure there was one person that I might remember but the people that I'm specifically thinking about I don't really think there was anybody that I could meet with. and they were just friends of Bobby's you know they were just schoolmates or whatever in my mind, when you guys would get together, um, I would imagine being young folks, party, drink, uh, watch TV, watch movies, whatever the case being. Was there anything particular that you guys did as a, as a group when you guys would get together at the house? Not really. Just hang out? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't really that crazy. I had my own circle of friends too, so usually I'd just go do whatever with them. And that's why, like I said before, you know, he'd invite me to his circle of friends, and then I'd, you know, invite him to our circle of friends. Yeah. But he wasn't really the type that hung out with us, because we went to places he didn't like to go, so. <clears throat> Had you ever been up to, uh, to Becky's house yourself? No. Wait. I did go up there with them once, but I don't remember where. Oh, we went to a fire pit near her house, actually. Me, Javi. Oh, yeah, what's the fat man's name? Um, <laughs> he, he was he was Javi's best friend, real prick, but uh, that's just because he was a he was a dork. Um, he was fat. Would you know his name if you heard it? Yeah, he had a little STI. Was it Bo? Yeah, that's his name. Okay. Bo. <laughs> <laughs> <Little> fat prick. <laughs> um, 
He was a character. I mean, me and him like cars, so that's how we got along. But uh, he didn't really like me. I didn't really like him. It was whatever, you know. There's always that. Those are just phases head, in your head buddies. In your life. He gives a crap. Yeah, yeah neither here nor there. But uh, yeah, we we took off with him once. We went Javi, Bo, and somebody else. I can't remember. Probably Jacob. I, I don't really know. And we all hung out up there by that fire pit that's like a mile away from her house. Just off of it. Was it like on her property or was it no, someplace else? No, no, no. It's like a mile away or whatever. It's just, you know how that is out yeah. there. It's just a dirt lot sectioned off place. You know, you go off into one area. Next thing you know, you're by a fire pit that the entire community uses. And that's what we did. So, so just, just the one time you went up it. there? It was you, Javier, and Bo? Yeah. And somebody else, most likely. I, I don't really remember. All right. There was a bunch of people up there, too. I, it was like a small place, you know, just to get together like you would. is there to do, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, did you work back then? I did with a friend of mine that I eventually moved in. Um, real estate appraisal stuff. I was a trainee. Where did you work? Where? Yeah. Well, out of the house, but it was uh, next day appraisal. Okay. And you moved in and with a friend that you ultimately moved in with? Yeah, I moved in with him for a short amount of time, and then I said, hey, let's try to get the apartment back, and then we did get that apartment. That's where I stayed for a little bit. Oh, the same apartment? Yeah, but it wasn't very long. The one that you and Jacob stayed in? Yeah, because oh, okay. Jacob took off to San Diego, as far as I remember. <clears throat> okay. And who was the friend? Tyler. Tyler? He didn't know anybody at all. Sure, sure. Literally. He, he had never met never met any of them. Okay. All right. Um, so now let's go back to the days that led up to the murders. Because okay. you were living in an apartment with, with uh, Jacob, he and Becky are together, or maybe they're not, I don't know. In the days that led up to it, how would you classify the relationship, and do you remember them spending time together, do you remember them, I mean, what do you remember? As far as I remember, they were fine up until that one point where she just went up to her mom's house or whatever, that, you know, night, and, uh, um, that was about it. That's not all I remember. Cause and when was that in relationship to the murders? No, the, the last time I saw Becky was that night. Or not really that night. It was that week. And actually, he hadn't seen her in three days. He was trying to contact her, so that's all I remember. So they were fine up until the murder night, and then he didn't see her for three days. And then he started asking me, hey, have you heard from her whatsoever? Okay. We'll let these, we'll let these boats go. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. So 
tough act to follow. <laughs> <laughs> There's your reference point. So take us back a couple of days. Let's go back Saturday, if you can remember, Friday, Thursday, Wednesday, as far back as you can remember, and take us through the days of what you recall Jacob and, and uh, Becky's activity was or and what was happening with them, if you can remember, and then how you incorporate yourself into that as well. Well, it was pretty standard. Like, all I was doing was pretty much going to work and back and forth and school, if I was going to school at that time. I don't think I was, actually. But uh, both of them, they were just normal, standard, every time, every day. They'd go and do whatever they did, and then come home after work or whatever, and they'd hang out at night, watch movies or do whatever. Uh, those last couple of days, honestly, nothing seemed to change whatsoever. Nothing seemed to change? It was perfect the entire time, and then just, bam, three days after it happened, they're like, dead? What the fuck? It just went from like, Everything was cool to now she's dead. It was just the most blindsided thing ever. It was the weirdest thing. Because it was literally nothing had changed. Honestly, we probably even had plans for all I remember. This is it's just crazy. Okay, so she was killed on Sunday. When was the last day you remember seeing her? Break it down to a date. I think I may have, the last time I ever saw her was at work when I went to Denny's one night. Could have been even the, the days prior. Can you remember when's the last time she spent the night at the apartment? No, because at that point I really didn't like know what they were doing, you know, like I didn't really like pay attention to who was staying over. I just assumed she was there every night because I didn't know if she even had a house. Like, was that was that the norm? I'm sorry, that she was there basically every night? Much. Yeah, that's why I was like kind of on, you know, like, hey, you need to start paying your bills, you know, she was there every night. So when she stopped coming over every night, Jacob started getting worried and then I was like, yeah, that is kind of weird. I haven't seen her either, but I, you know, I'm not her keeper. I don't even think I had her number. So. I mean, she has clothes there. She buys groceries. I mean, she's I living she there, living groceries, there. So I, no. That's why I was like, you need to start buying groceries. You're going to eat my stuff. I mean, she comes home from work and goes there and then spends the night and gets up and does the next, you know what I'm saying, every yeah, day. Yeah, pretty much. As far as I know, she was living there, you know what I mean? But it wasn't like living there. It was just like, you know, when you have a new relationship, everything's fucking golden. Right. Like, hell yeah, this is awesome. Let's spend as much time as we can together. And that's what I saw with them. It was yeah. just them just hanging out, having a great time. Okay. And it was so new, like they hadn't been together for too long. I mean, you guys are going to find that out yourself. I couldn't even guesstimate how long they had been together, but I'm sure it was within that first three months, you know, that golden age. The honeymoon stage. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, that that weekend that, that uh, the murders occurred, um, if, and I'm going to tell you this so you can, so it re refreshes your memory, if, if, the, if that does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, Jacob apparently went to his cousin's house in Costa Mesa. Do you remember that? A little bit. I remember something about Costa Mesa. I don't even know where that is. He was gone for a few days. And another thing that happened while he was gone, um, you had a buddy that lived in Hemet. You picked up your buddy. And then you guys spent some time in, uh, in, the, in the Palm Desert area. 
did a little shopping, a little walking around the mall, and then I believe you took him back home up in Hemet. Do you recall that? Oh yeah, I think it was Chris. Yeah. Your friend, his name's Chris? Yeah. What do you remember his last name? talking a long time ago he was a friend uh, my, my good friend's uh, girlfriend at the time's best friend so we we all hang out you know did whatever that was part of my little crew that hung out uh, let's see Chris something pretty sure I have him on Facebook you get Facebook out here oh yeah you gonna have Verizon yeah <laughs> Not sure if you're serious or joking, man. <laughs> how did you guys hear that Becky was killed? If it was like days later, who? how did it come to your attention? Who, who called you or who called Jacob? I heard it from Jacob directly. And how did he hear? I don't even remember. I don't know. All I know is that I think we were standing in our living room, and he's like, Becky's dead. And I'm like, what the fuck? What are you talking about? Yeah, she went up and he told me this, the theoretical story and then the whole thing and then we looked up the newspaper and just out of the blue he says Becky's dead well I came home and he was you know like sitting on the couch like stunned because he had just heard I think I don't know what Chris's name last name was. okay you came home you remember coming home what day was that no I don't remember like the day but I do remember like when I did come home whatever day that was let's just theorize that it was three days later or whatever after the fact and I just remember three for no reason but uh I came home and it was you know like that's that's what he told me you know when you weren't like staying, stunned. I'm sorry. If you weren't staying at the apartment, then where were you staying if you were gone for days at a time? No, I don't mean I was days at a time gone. What I was saying was is that when I came home that day, I was, so might it have been the very next? Might it have been the very next day? Potentially. Okay, but you don't remember. <laughs> so you take your friend back home, Chris. Um, so it's. During that weekend, you've got you hang out with Chris from Hemet, you take him back home, and Jacob is is gone during that weekend. Does that refresh your memory at all? I don't really know. I mean, I do remember him saying something about Costa Mesa, but that's only because you mentioned it, and that's probably because I, Javi, I guess, had a place in Costa Mesa, or maybe it was a different cousin. I don't really know. Okay. One thing though, did when your when your friend Chris came and uh, you guys hung out in Palm Desert, did he stay with you at the apartment for the weekend or until you took him back home? It was just that one night. Honestly, I don't even think it was he came over from Hemet. I think we had went to Laughlin or something because me and him used to go to Laughlin all the time. And my buddy's ex girlfriend, which is the best friend of Chris, she was the one that lived in Laughlin or Bullhead, really. But okay, but you would have remembered hanging out with your with, with Chris in Palm Desert. Yeah, I and you're saying that that didn't happen. No, I say it did. Oh, it did happen. Yeah, no, that's for sure. Okay, but you wouldn't have spent the night at your apartment. No, I think we did that one night because okay. we came home from. I think what what had happened was we came from Laughlin to there, and then we moved on to him at final. Gotcha. Hell, it may have been even the same weekend where my freaking air conditioner broke. <laughs> it broke in Bullhead, and it was 109 degrees by like 10 a.m. Swimming pool, here we come. So, you don't remember if that was Friday night or Saturday night? No, I don't remember that kind of detail like there. Okay. 
Um, give me one second if you have any. Sure. Did Becky ever, I know you kind of mentioned you didn't really know the ex-boyfriend and you kind of heard stuff after the fact, but before the fact, sounds like she was at your house a lot. Did she, did you ever hear her say anything about the ex-boyfriend or did you ever hear Santiago say anything about, oh, you know, Jacob? Jacob. Did yeah. he ever say, you know, repeat anything that had, he had heard from, sorry, cigarettes, but from Becky, had any kind of information beforehand about the ex-boyfriend, phone calls or harassment or didn't like him or there was an issue at all? Nothing that really stood out that I was ever apprised of because, you know, I was just the ancillary friend, you know, right. like, just the roommate. So I'm sure that there was some bitching about some ex of sorts, but that should be expected when there's any kind of recent breakup. Right. So. So the whole issue about white supremacists or things like that, that was all after, after the fact. fact. And yeah. where did you hear that from, if you can recall? What I don't was remember the who talk? said it, but theoretically, I mean, just the only group of people I knew, it was either from Javier or it was from Jacob. Yeah. So that was, that was the only people I could have heard it from. Yeah. I mean, the only people in town that even knew her were just people that had gone to Denny's or had gone to this place and just knew, knew her through friends of friends. Yeah. So it's the only thing I really had to deal with that. I'm going to read you a couple of passages that from the old reports, just so I can, so you can get an idea of you know, the clarifications that I, that, I, that I want to ask you. On the night that Becky was killed, or the night that happened, that was on Sunday night, okay, and obviously you heard about it the next day, or the days after. What were you, what, where were you on Sunday night when she was killed? Sunday? Yeah. I don't even remember, honestly. What might you have been doing on a Sunday night? Because I believe, didn't you have you had school the next day or maybe you had a job? I was probably at home because I think the next day, Monday, you know, I had to be back for work or school or whatever it was at that point. It was probably a little bit of both. I'm not sure if I was still working for Wells Fargo then or not. I think I was, actually. So I probably had been at home. You know, banks aren't open on Sunday. So I'd probably gone. You're probably right, though. I probably did go to Laughlin, come back to Hemet on Saturday night, went to bring my friend back, came back on Sunday day, and then went to work on Monday. So and do you, that makes more sense in the particular time. It makes sense, but if you don't remember it, then, you know, it's... I just want you to, you know, best of your recollection. You know, I don't want to put, try to force things that, you know, you just can't, right? Of course. So that same night that she was killed, Sunday night, possibly you were home. We don't really remember, but more than likely, based on your past pattern, knowing that you have school and possibly work through your home, do you recall if, if uh, Jacob was home with you that night? As far as I remember, I don't, I don't know where his where he was. I'm not sure. I really don't remember. And would there have been any reason, say on the next day on Monday, that you wouldn't have gone to school or wouldn't have gone to work? Or you pretty much, I got school, I got work, I'm there. Oh yeah, no, I went, definitely. So if I had gone to anywhere, I would have made sure of my liabilities for sure. Okay. And I know, again, that was a long time ago, but do you remember in 06, were you in school? Eight to five, or eight to twelve, and then work from one to ten, or you know, I'm just. Do you remember how that kind no, of? No, I don't really remember my schedule. Okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna just like I said. Like you said, read your patches. Stuff I want to clarify. Um, and did you have anything else based on what we've talked about at this point? Yeah, no, go ahead. Okay. Um. So in the reports that I read, Austin, it said that you recalled Jacob being at home on Sunday night. 
if that's something that the statement that you gave the detectives is that something yes you, you can maybe I don't recall it but if I said that then that's what happened is oh that, yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't have lied for sure yeah okay um, and then you recall that Jacob left on Friday to visit his brother and I believe he has a twin brother Orlando yeah um, but you weren't sure when uh, Jacob returned. So you're not sure exactly when he came back. Or do you remember when he came back? I, I wouldn't know. Um, and then in the report, you also stated that you didn't think, not sure, but you don't think Jacob went to school on Monday morning. And, and let me see if this refresh helps you out. Would you guys go to school together? Did you guys get up no, and get ready? Had he had a motorbike, I think. Okay. So it wasn't like, hey. We didn't have the same schedule at all. We just took one class and okay. at that one point found each other. So if you went to school, if you went to class, you wouldn't have necessarily known it. And if he went to class, he was you a lot. He was a long way through his school. I had just started. He was like a second year already. You know? Okay. But if you said that you didn't think he went to school, that's the best of your recollection back during that interview. Is that yeah, correct? most likely. Um, then we talked about this already. I, I talked about picking up your friend who you've identified as Chris. And it looks like you picked up your friend on Saturday from him. Okay, so best of your recollection, if that's what the report says, then that's yeah. Okay, then that's what happened. So you picked up your friend from him. Um, then you then you took your friend back to him on Sunday. Um, almost practically Monday morning. So you took your friend home to Hemet, and you said you got back home at about 2.30 in the morning. Okay. So does that, I mean, maybe you remember, maybe you don't, but if that's what the report said at the time, that's that's what happened. Potentially, yeah. And if, you, and if something else comes to your mind and you're like, oh, wait a minute, no, that didn't happen, that's fine too. But I know you would say that. Right. <laughs> okay. So based on what I've, what I've told you, oh, and the last thing I'm saying, so when you got home early Monday morning at, at 02.30 hours, um, you don't remember if Santiago was home, if Jacob was at home. Well, I mean, his door's usually closed or locked or whatever, so if he's in there, I don't, I'm not going to open the door and find out. Okay. So based on everything that I've given you to the report, that's what you said, that's what you said. Yeah, yourself a weapons enthusiast? I don't know. I like them, but I wouldn't. I don't know. I, I guess you could. How long have you had weapons? Forever. When you say forever, are we talking like 10 years old, 15 years old? Probably younger than that, honestly. Okay. And when we say weapons, what kind of weapons are we talking about? Just all kinds. Shotguns, doing whatever with those. Mostly it's always been hunting rifles because we used to go hunting and stuff. And those are the ones that I grew up on. Okay. All right. Um, as far as weapons, um, well, let's just get right to it. 
you live with uh, Jacob in the apartment complex. Did you keep weapons, your weapons at, at the apartment? Yeah, I think I only had like one there. What'd you have? I think I had the shotgun there. You had the shotgun? Okay. All right. It's been, it was brought to my attention in the reports that you actually, you know, let people know you, I, you've got a shotgun. I've got a shotgun. <laughs> and maybe... Californians didn't like that. No. no. It's a little different. <laughs> and maybe to a select few people, you, 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 you said, hey, you want to take a look at my shotgun? Um... Was that something that you might have done back in that time? Back yeah, in like mostly Jacob, close friends. Okay. All right, so Jacob knew you had a shotgun. Um, did Javier know you had a shotgun? I think so. Did you ever show Javier? Potentially. Okay. I don't know. And I'm sure you showed Jacob, you guys were roommates. Hey, dude, I'm, I got a shotgun. Just oh, so yeah, you know. that, that was one of the things when we were talking, like, hey, you have any weapons, you know? Okay. Right. Um, and in one of the reports I read were a young lady, um, and you probably will remember, um, that stated that you offered to show her your shotgun, and she was like, no, no, I don't want to see your shotgun. Do you remember maybe maybe messing with some girls, or maybe, you know, I don't Not know. messing with them, no, that's a, that's, that's a reach right there. Okay. Just something that, you know, like, hey, you know, I'm from Arizona, like, got guns, it's cool, you know, you want to see them? Okay. That's all. Okay. Yeah, that was brought up, just wanted to make sure that that was, you know, your intention for, for showing them is just like you said, you're, you're from I'm raised on them. That's part of my, you know, that's part of my blood. That's okay. what I grew up on. That's part of me. Okay. <clears throat> that's the thing I look for now. Girl doesn't like weapons, you know, doesn't like guns. <laughs> She's got to go. She's gone. <laughs> okay. So, and and it looks like you're already answering my question. Then. So, was it your intent with the shotgun or the weapon, whatever it was, was it to, to, to threaten people or to scare Never. people? No. Okay. Just to kind of gauge. Gauge the crowd. How they, all right. Sounds good. Um, do you remember working at Wells Fargo? Okay. How long did you work there? Nine months. <clears throat> I also read in the report that um, someday in the parking lot, um, you have a car. You had a car. Remember your car? Yeah, the one I crashed in the parking lot. They give you 30 minutes of lunchtime in a town. A, literally, Rancho Mirage doesn't allow fast food. It's actually a city ordinance to not have it. You cannot have a drive-thru. I remember that wow. clearly because I was going over to some restaurant, whatever, and I had to make it back in 30 minutes and I had to eat too. <laughs> crashed it right into the freaking curb. Which car was that one that you crashed? That was the Oldsmobile. Yeah. Oldsmobile? Yeah. Kind of, does it kind of look like a Crown Vic or something like that? No, 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 no. The Crown Vic was the one after the fact. Oh, so you had the Oldsmobile, then you had the Crown Vic. Yeah. These big, Crash bulky cars, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, they're American-made. <laughs> okay, so standing in the parking lot, um, I think this is the time you've got your Crown Vic. You remember having a Crown Vic, right? Um, did you have a Crown Vic? Yeah, yeah, that's okay. the Crown Vic I had, yeah. You're standing in the back of your car, a group of young ladies, your trunk's open, you guys are all talking, and it is noted in the trunk of your car that you have a small gas can, some trash bags, and a shovel. I know. <laughs> but it's always possible, right? Not that. I've never owned any of that. Okay. So that's weird. Okay. So in the back of your trunk of your car, standing in the in a parking lot, grocery store, trunk open, 
some acquaintances, females, happen to notice that in the trunk of your car there's a gas can, plastic bags, and a shovel. And your answer to me, your response is, not in the back of my car, not in the trunk of my car. Oh, that's weird. Okay, that's, that's weird, weird but is that... No, no. Here, what I'm, what's going through my mind now is that, no, that didn't happen, okay. and now I'm going to have to stop this, because oh. I see where you guys are. No, 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 not, this, this is a completely non-accusatory, man. I, like I explained to you, I'm just clarifying what's in the reports, okay? So then I go back, and I write a report stating, I spoke to you, okay, because... It sounds to me like this is the first time you've heard about this. It is. But it's documented. So how does that make you feel if no one provides clarification on that? Well, right? At this point, okay. you got to plead the fifth, because that's just weird. Okay, but do you understand what I'm doing? I, we could just leave everything just the way it is, right? And everybody's going, hmm. Or we can say, hey, you know what? Let me talk to this guy. Let me see what he's about. And like my partner has said, we've gone down a checklist. You're not the only person that we have feverishly talked to here. Over. Oh, I'm pretty sure, yeah. I mean, right? So, you know, and, and, and look at us. Look where we are. Look what we've got going on here, okay? This is, we're calling the shots here. We're sitting on a dock and we're talking. And when we get done talking, I'm going to get in my car. I'm gonna, we're going to go back home to California and I'm going to write the report. Okay, so if you don't want to comment on on what was said, then I gotta honor that. But like I said, I want to at least let you know. Yeah, that's some weird stuff. That okay. was my comment. Okay. I've never heard of that before. And actually, that's the last uh, question that I had for you, as it pertained to what has been previously documented. Okay. Okay. So, and everything that you and I talked about for your protection is recorded. Okay, including your reactions. Oh, wait a minute, where'd that come from, right? <laughs> okay, that's a genuine reaction, correct? Right. Okay, so, and like we told you, we're not in trouble. We just, if I got a case, if you got a case, if somebody gives you something and says, check on this, you're going to check on it, right? I'm going to check on it. That's what I'm supposed to do. Oh, I know. In my job, I investigate people myself, so I know exactly. So, so there you go, we're on the same, same page here. And I'm embarrassed to say that my battery just died. You know, mine's gone. It's still gone. Okay. Alright. Okay. So based on so 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 Jacob, based on <laughs> what we've talked about so far, and, and, and Jennifer, if you got anything, please. Oh, I just have a couple questions to go, but I'll okay. let you finish that. Well, no, no, we'll, we'll come back. Oh, okay. All go right. Ahead. Go ahead. All right. Just as we speak, when you say something, if there's another question that pops in my mind, I've been writing it down. So let me ask you this. You asked, you mentioned the shotgun. Yes, you had a shotgun, and you showed it to people in the house. That's fine. Where did you keep the shotgun in the house? Was um, it stored somewhere? Just under my bed, I okay, guess. Okay, it wasn't like a safe or something. Did, was it locked in any way? So someone... The door to the room. The door to the room. Okay, but the shotgun itself was there. If you could get in the room, you could have access to the shotgun. That's what I'm asking. Yeah, I mean... Okay, that's... Anybody's going to get at it, they're going to get at it. They are, but some people say, no, I have a safe. It's locked in the safe. I just, in my mind, I want to know where the gun was. So it's in the room, locked in your bedroom. Okay, that's, that's fine. How about... Javier, after the murders, it sounds like you said he kind of went dark, he went away fast. Did you ever have a conversation with Javier about it? Jacob was your roommate, you know, he breaks the news to you that day. But what about Javier? We know Javier was really close to her, we know it affected everybody. Did he ever have a conversation with you about it? I don't think so. Like I said, I didn't really speak to him afterwards. He, as far as I remember, he was very emotional after the fact, and that's all I remember. Yeah, did Jacob mention anything? I mean, they were cousins, right? 
Yeah, as far as I know. Yeah, I mean, he was bent up, and that's why I never talked to him anymore because he was so, like, in his own thing that he had to deal with that. Yeah. His best friend got murdered, so. Yeah. I think I hit right off. Okay. You know, in talking to all this, to you about this, and I know you've, like you said, you've been following this, you've been you know, keeping up with it. In your mind, okay, and going back and looking at the circle of friends, I'm not, I guess what I'm getting at is, did you have any idea who might have been responsible? Back then? Yeah. When somebody told me that the ex-boyfriend was jealous because, like I said before, uh, Jacob was, uh, Phil, not Phil, uh, what's the word, Puerto Rican? Yeah. And that coupled with somebody said that the ex of Becky was some sort of a white supremacist, that right there, you know, that's just put up a red flag. It's like, oh, obviously he's going to be pissed about that. So that's the only thing that I ever knew. That was the only person I ever knew. And I never even knew his name. I just heard him as the ex-boyfriend. And there was no other talk about anybody else that might have... Uh... No, when, especially when the first initial report was supposedly that there were two people involved. That threw me for a loop, too, because I didn't even know. I just figured that that freaking guy just went up there alone one day. So you actually didn't see it coming then? No. And then in the aftermath, how, how did Jacob talk to you about you know, the loss of things? What, what? He, like I said, he was bent up. He was sad as hell, and that's why he, he just had to get out of the area. And I understood. Like I tried to get him out of the lease easily, and he paid his dues, and um, I ended up actually getting the security deposit back, too. <laughs> He's like, no, just take it. I just got to get the fuck out of here. This place is not cool anymore. Now, you said you, you, made, you, kept, you maintained contact with, with Jacob for a little bit. How did he seem to you when you talked to him? After, after. seemed like the same guy, you know, just mellow, chill, good, good guy. Like I said, you know, he back when it all happened, you know, it was obviously it affected him, and like it would affect anybody. But when you talked to him, did it seem like he was still making forward progress, or was he stumping? Oh yeah, no, he came he like he came back to San Diego, or, or came back from San Diego, and ended up. I think he was working somewhere. I don't remember what he was doing. Maybe he was finishing up his degree even further. I can't remember what he was doing. In that. We went over to the Burgers and Beer over there on Cook. Or not Cook, Monterey or whatever. That's the last time I saw him. We just hung out one time. About how long ago was that? That was in like 2012 when I went back. Okay. And he was okay? Yeah, it seemed good. We talked about it just an, just an inkling, and that's when I kind of started following it because I, I honestly thought they'd be done by now, you know, that back then that is, and that's when he started giving me like, hey, you know, they never figured it out. Dude, was Jacob working, or was he? Did he tell you what he was doing? Like I said, I don't remember what he was doing. I don't. I think he was working, considering like he went to that financial firm and then he came back. I don't know what he was doing in Palm Desert again. Now, if you could, I mean, you've done a little bit, but if you could theorize, because I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, we're willing to take any, any, any theories that we can to incorporate them into what we're working with, just to make sure that we, you know, eliminate everything. But if you could theorize any more than you've done, is there anything else that you would add into the component of what we're trying to accomplish by solving this thing? On a theory? Yeah. Uh, I mean. Like I said, that the only thing that I ever theorized was that ex-boyfriend guy, and I never met him. So well, let's let's start eliminating people. People that you've talked about. Who would you eliminate as suspects to killing Becky Herman? 
woman and uh, her mom's boyfriend of opinion lines. Javier immediately. Why is that? He was so, like, he, he loved her. He was, they were just fucking best asshole buddies, you know, like my mom would say. <laughs> my mom says that. <laughs> but uh, they were just good friends. And then uh, Jacob, why? There's no reason. They were in their, like I said, the golden age of their new relationship. No point. Bo? He's just some friend of Javi's, who cares? And then Rolando, he's not even in this, you know? I don't even think he knew him. Um, me? Why would I care? Like, I don't have anything against her whatsoever. Like, she was cool as hell. And in fact, I was hoping her sister would come back and I'd be able to meet her. <laughs> it's like, Air Force? Oh, okay, cool. You know, kind of wanted to join the Marines. That's kind of neat, but never did. What about any of... Becky's female friends. I, I, don't, I don't even remember them. Okay. You haven't mentioned any of her friends, and I know she's got female friends. So I don't remember any of them. The only female that I recollect with her was this person that she had of her sister that was an Air Force chick with a Cyan XP. Now, when Becky would come over and hang out with Jacob, would she ever talk to you guys about any problems in her life, any issues, or anybody that was bothering her? Well, she never would really confide in me. That was, you know, their personal matters. I'd stay out of it. Like, if they wanted to go talk or watch a movie, I'd be like, yeah, cool. Well, I'm going to go hang out with my friends, or I'm going to go into the room and play a video game or something. Just do whatever. So I didn't really hang out with her at home after the fact. We just went to parties every now and then beforehand. And then when she finally moved in, we hung out every now and then. But it was just like breakfast or something. Now, you've willingly talked to us at least twice that I can tell. And we appreciate that. Um, if we asked you to submit to a polygraph to you know, state that everything that you've told us is, is in fact, is true, would you be willing to do that? Yeah, I could do that. One last question. Did you ever go back up to her house after the fire? Ever go look? I mean, it's basically burned down. No, I've never been back up there. Have you ever heard of anybody else going back up there? As far as I know, I've never heard of anybody going up back up there. Like the la the only time the last time I ever went there was that fire pit, and then never, never, never after that. No, no. I never had a vehicle that could go out there anyway. Okay. That one time that we did go out there, um, Bo, we took his car and we parked it at the fire department or whatever. I think it was his car, maybe even Bobby's. You know, some sedan, you know, couldn't make it out there. So we took his friend's Jeep Cherokee out there, and that's who we ended up with. I don't even know who that was. It was just some random party friend, I guess. You know, you've told us, you know, you've, Becky's a little annoying, but she was with Jake and everything was cool. Um, you've categorized her as a, you know, as a friend. Um, would there be any reason why someone would tell us that you actually really hated Becky and didn't have any any remorse when she was killed? No. I don't understand that. So if somebody told us that you said she, that you were glad she was dead, is that something that is true or untrue? That sounds just weird. I wouldn't say that anyway. No, but again, uh, you know, my partner says stuff like that. You get that look in your face, like, where is this coming from? Yeah, it's we, like, We've spoken to weird. so many people, and again, like he says, we weren't there at the time this original interview took place, but we read this in a report, so it's just, we're not trying to be accusational in any way. just want to say, hey, this is cool to us. It's like you say, A, B, and C, if I said that to someone else, they might go, no, that's not true at all. Everyone's got their take on it. Maybe you remember some little snippet.
like a board board. sticks in their minds when they get questioned about something later, they pull that out of the air and they make a statement like that. So we just want to clarify that. You want to call You did, you did, you did, you didn't, but you know, you, you never expect if I'm saying something bad about my partner tomorrow, he's got to be dead. So I got that one way back here. About him, you know? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. It didn't mean anything, but you know, so we just want to give you the opportunity to say yes or no. If it's no, just say absolutely no. I didn't say that. That's fine. It's fine. You got to remember, too, Austin, and in the field that you work, too, we take everything at face value, right? And we're just here to collect facts. So I don't make any assessments about anything. But I got to clear the air with everything. You right. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're pulling up a case that's old stuff, so you got to figure it out. If something's written down, you got to ask them. And, and you've told us, hey, I'll help however. If you need me to take a polygraph, I'll take a polygraph. I would just rather, if, if I have any questions in the future, if I can just call you on the phone, is that cool? Yeah. Okay. Um, I also understand, and maybe this isn't true, that you might be relocating to another part of the United States. I don't know, probably. Like I'm said, I, I'm in a DOD job. I'm always moving around. But it's in Afghanistan. I don't know. <laughs> You'll know when they tell you where you're going? Well, it's, it's, it it's not them. No, no. I apply to jobs and I figure them out. I don't care where I go. So So have you applied for someone somewhere? Oh, yeah. I've even got accepted a lot of places, but I just haven't been able to get that job for whatever reason or I haven't wanted to take it. So. Well, hey, I, I think for all intents and purposes, we're, we're about done. But based on everything we've talked to you about, if you've got any questions, if you've got any concerns, if there's anything you want to clarify based on what we've talked about, or if there's something we haven't talked about and you want to discuss, um, I figured yeah, let's let's take care of it right now. That way we're, we're done, we're free and clear. Well, I don't really have any questions. I mean, I just hope you guys get the guy. That's really all it is. Those guys, really. I honestly think it's them. Say that again? I honestly think it's them. I really do. Okay. Everything what do you think I read, happen to these guys? What do I think is going to happen no, to them? What should happen to these guys? Should happen to them? Yeah. They should what's get prosecuted. Penalty? No, what's, okay. Well, they should have their fair day in court like anybody else. If they're guilty, they're guilty and they'll be at their fair justice. I don't know what the statutes define. Well, what's justice to you? What would you like seeing done to these guys? What would I like done to them? Yeah. Just go to jail. I'm not a capital, uh, what do they call it, capital offense? Capital Ad, what's the word? Capital punishment. No, 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 uh, advocate. Have you always felt that way? Yeah, I mean, what's the point? You know, you kill them after 20 years, what's 40 years? It's worse than 20 years. Well, what if we just take care of it right then and there? 40 years is worse. Or however old he is, you know, what are, I assume they're like 30s now, right? Okay. They can't live past 69 in jail, right? <laughs> it's kind of hard. <laughs> you ate quick there, I'm sure. Oh, hell yeah. You really drove a Crown Vic? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time looking at you and thinking Crown Vic. You know what's even funnier? Where was it? Couldn't you know what's even funnier? I went straight to the Ford dealership in town and bought it. <laughs> what's even funnier about it is that I was wearing a suit the entire time and I had a mohawk. <laughs> Why would you buy a Crown Vic? Seriously. You're like, well, apparently, you know Scion. I see it now. Why would a young guy buy a Crown Vic? Honestly, he's got a V8, it's got four doors, and I had the luxury car before that was better. So that was thing, that thing was really nice. On those yeah. long trips to, you know, Laughlin and Vegas and whatever. Uh, I guess. Really I just think, nice. I think grandma or cop when I hear Crown Vic, that's all. Yeah, now every so. time I see a Crown Victoria that looks like a cop car, I'm like, yeah. that guy's a sadist. <laughs> <laughs>
Nice. It's like, why did I ever drive those around? That's terrible. Because now when I see a Crown Vic, I'm like, son of a bitch, what did I do wrong? Oh, you're oh crap. cars with Bo Nash. He's telling you about his souped-up Subaru or whatever, and you're talking about your Crown Vic. Yeah, I crashed that thing a week after I put $110 in spark plugs in it. Like, crap. That sucked. Austin, I gave your mom. I have your number on, on my phone. Oh, okay. All yeah, right. I called you, but you didn't answer. You know, I'm going to chalk that up to the reception over there. That's yeah. Because right. I did. You don't have Verizon. I do have Verizon. But oh. I did fall off, man. The little red dot came on. I'm like, oh, I don't have any reception. Oh, that's weird. What are the odds, though? Honestly, but, we have our own tower up there, so I don't even I understand that. how that works. Well, I don't know. I, we drove all the way up here. So I get three I'm not megs try a to second. Miss a phone call from you, okay? I get really good. <laughs> I get really good reception up there. Honestly, that's it's the best. That's about right. Yeah. They come off from. Yeah, they come off from all this. Yeah. Austin, I can't think of anything else right now, and I don't know if I can't part of getting out. But like I said, I don't want to bother you, but if you don't mind fielding a call, if there's any other clarification questions that I have. And I have nothing to hide from you, okay? So if there's anything that you want to know, um, then we can discuss that, all right? And that's, like I said, that's the principality of why I came to talk to you about what happened. Right. So if I'm sitting there and I'm reading stuff about people, yeah, I can make assessments all day long. I can surmise all day long. But it sure is a hell of a lot better to be able to sit down with somebody and say, hey, man, let's talk about this, all right? Or let me present this to you. And you can go, that didn't happen. Or, yeah, absolutely. Or, wait a minute, let me let me, let me me break it down to you and tell me what how this really went down. I would think that you would, you would want that and you would expect that. So... Yeah, I mean, there's nothing to hide, so why well, hide it? So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if there is and there's a problem, I stand up and I let anybody who, who that is applicable to, I let them know. Right. Okay? Can I have so. one last question? Yeah. Just because I'm just sick of laughing about the Crown Vic, but it's a huge <laughs> damn trunk in a Crown Vic. If you had a, the trunk popped and there was stuff in the trunk, did you keep anything normally in there? You know, like some guys always, I don't know if you spent nights at friends' houses, maybe you kept a fucking fold-up cot, and a, I don't know, anything that could be misconstrued as anything else. Did you normally keep anything in the trunk that you can recall? Well, like, now I keep a, I actually used to have this cot, I don't know if I kept it in the trunk, probably, but uh, like an overnight bag is usually, because when I go to Laughlin or whatever, I'll have to have some sort of a suitcase with me or something, and yeah, I can see that. I usually, instead of having like a laundry bag, which I found out that they sell at the PX, I used to use like those Costco bags, so I could see it being dirty laundry. Just a thought. Sounds good. All right. Thank you very much. Yeah. If anything else comes up and you don't mind, I'll, I'll be in touch, but good luck with your future endeavors. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and it was a pleasure meeting you and your family. Is, I tell yeah. you, I can see where you get it from. They're, they're good Thank people, man. Thank you. Take care. NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Edited by Kelly Barron's Brink and sound engineered by Shane Yoder. All music for the show was created, composed, and scored by PutThemInASong.com, who also mixed and mastered this episode. All of our fonts across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design, and you can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website truthandjusticepod.com where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team. 
Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Kay Wood Yomnick, Ginger Viola, Erica Cantor, Danielle Rohr, Jennifer Ford, Courtney Wimberly, and Melissa Cardenas. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in several ways. To financially support the show, the best thing you can do is just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You'll not only be supporting the show, but you'll get something in return. On Patreon, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we have reward levels. For just $5 a month, you get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes and behind-the-scenes bonus video content every week. Then other reward levels include t-shirts, hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. Just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You can also do us a huge favor by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the brands that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is to engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page on Facebook. And for all you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. And I can be found personally on all forms of social media at BobRuffTruth. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, I'm signing off. I'm Bob Ruff, and this has been Truth and Justice. Truth and Justice.